All right, so we're living in a time now during the early months of the Trump administration that because Trump has succeeded in a couple of different endeavors, one, of course, getting uh, Supreme Court Justice um, Gorsuch yeah, uh, on, on, the, on the Supreme Court and then uh, starting the funding for the wall, uh, even without the help of Congress, uh, and, and doing a, a couple of other things in terms of uh, reinvestigating uh, the, the trade deals that we have and also opening up Keystone Pipeline, the Excel Pipeline, and other things like that. Okay? And this is all within less than three months as we speak today. But it's going to be a common refrain. You'll see in the past as we go forward. There is attempted scandal after attempted scandal. Um, that the latest two being, and I, I, I barely, I basically forget all the previous scandals that just didn't take uh, previously. But the, the 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 recent two is that Donald Trump allegedly revealed secrets to the Russians that were parlayed by Israel. Um, never mind, of course, that Donald Trump, you know, has the full power and capacity to. Uh, to display classified secrets to anybody, so it's it's his. That's the one person that can do that without any uh, recriminations. Uh, so that didn't work out too well <laughs> when they try to push that one. <laughs> but they found a new one the next day, which yeah. is which is that uh, Comey supposedly that there's a memo from Comey, Jim Comey, the former FBI director who was recently fired, uh, whereby he basically play, uh, he t- he said that Trump asked him not to go forward with the investigation on General Flynn, uh, that he's a good guy or something to that effect, right? And, oh, boy, here, here we go. He's, he's, uh, he's interfering with, you know, a, a, an investigation. Uh, okay, that's not going to go anywhere either, of course. And mind you, by the way, I agree that these two that I just mentioned, they are far worse than the Clinton Foundation, you know, taking bribes from other countries for influence purposes. I get that. And it's far worse than uh, Clinton and Obama working together to uh, completely recharacterize the Benghazi attacks so that they look good and it was not a re-election issue and such like that. I get that. I, I, you know, and I agree. It's far worse than going around Congress to do this Iranian deal, which was actually a sabotage of the entire American system and way of life, and actually gave them nuclear capacity and also forces us to protect Iran against Israel, if should Israel choose to, to attack. I, I get it. I totally get that. But I, I'm wondering, what are they going to do? <laughs> and of course, I'm being you know, farcical and sarcastic and cynical and all the, and I'm being Mr. Opposite right now. But what are they going to do, right? What are they going to do? They keep on throwing these things. And, and, but to their credit, the liberals know what we always say. They live in a time bubble. They don't know what happened 10 seconds, seconds ago, nor do they care what will happen 10 seconds from now. So the latest scandal du jour, and literally it's du jour, I mean, of the day. So I'm going to open up the news tonight, and I'm going to say, oh, latest and greatest. You know, here's, you know, Donald Trump has yet another worry to worry about. Okay, so why are we bringing this up? And, and at some point, it becomes, you know, Wolf Wolf, right? That story of the, the boy and such. At some point, it becomes that, where you get so scandaled out that, that it means nothing to you as a viewer, as a listener, as a citizen of the United States, to hear the, these alleged crimes and misdemeanors of Donald Trump, none of which are sticking. 
To say nothing of, of the fact that the General Flynn resignation scandal, that's not sticking, that hasn't stuck. Because by golly, waiting 18 days, oh my gosh, that's such a long time uh, to, to fire Flynn. I mean, give me a break. Uh, and then likewise with the whole Russian involvement for which there's zero evidence whatsoever. And those are four scandals, and I put those in quotes, uh, that I can remember. There's going to be, there might have been a couple of others uh, since the, original, the, um, the inauguration, and no doubt, no doubt there will be plenty more alleged scandals uh, going forward. After all, we're only three months in. You forgot the biggest one of them all last week's. Two scoops of ice cream versus one. Oh, yes, that was bad. Remember, that was bad. He only gave the reporters one scoop of ice cream. That was, two. that was not nice. No. No. What kind of president do we have? I think you, it was you know what? vanilla ice cream indicating white privilege. <laughs> you know, those never Trumpers were right. We were fools to think that Donald Trump might be a nice guy, a two scoop guy. You know what? <laughs> when the rubber meets the road, that's when you can tell you've got a good president. <laughs> you know, forget this whole 3 a.m. in the morning phone call stuff. What matters is, and they should have asked this in the debate, my friends. They should have said, Mr. Trump, should you be president, will you give us two scoops of ice cream or just one? Hush. <laughs> and the audience waits. And then he, he'd say, yeah, two, sure. <laughs> and then we'd say, no, because you are lying, sir. Well, you get the idea. This is craziness. I mean, look, why don't we, why don't we bring this up? It, it, because it's not just the scandals. I'm more interested in the story of the scandal machine. Obviously, what's going on here is the media is going into a frenzy, and their whole uh, M.O. is to create distraction after distraction, obstacle after obstacle, so that uh, Trump won't be able to get any of his agenda done, whether that is uh, reforming health care, uh, lowering taxes, uh, reducing regulations, or otherwise, it, it, he won't be able to focus. That's the idea. And there's going to be, you know, too much of a look at the monkey, look at the monkey situation. And, and to some extent, certainly the media is playing into it. Even Fox News is addressing it, you know, so because they have to. It's supposedly news. But it's, it's an embarrassment to them. And, I, and I, it, it's, it's an embarrassment to them being liberalism, to liberals and to the left, generally speaking. Why do I say that? I say it because if this is your tactic, then it shows you have nothing. You have no real substance. For example, on the ever-looming threat of the end of Obamacare, right? Instead of saying, here's why Obamacare is so great, here's why so many more insured will be out there, that no other system can possibly uh, improve upon Obamacare, you know, which I don't think they possibly could argue, but let's say, instead of, that's what they should argue. Instead, they, they put every uh, bit of you know, uh, obstacle possible to make sure that the, the truck, as it were, doesn't reach you know, the, from, a, from point A to point B. So they put thumbtacks along the way, right? They, they, they deflate the tires. Um, they, they report all sorts of problems, and they lie about uh, that this truck has, has marijuana or other drugs in it so that the federales will, will stop it and, and hassle them, right? Uh, that's what they're doing. That's the effect of what they're doing. But the truck will get from A to B. They're just trying to delay it. And, but it's a poor tactic, right? It's a, uh, you would say, shame on you for, for doing that. Let the truck get from point A to point B. If you don't like it, then say that there's a different way to go. 
But that's not their style. It never has been their style, and it never will be. I, I had a, um, a recent parlay with some liberal friends of mine, and, and I said, look, just tell me, where is the great policy of liberalism that has worked? And, and we've talked about that many times, right? Show me any liberal policy uh, that conservatives have opposed ever. It used to be the past 50 years. I say ever, and I will vote Democrat for the rest of my life. Okay, and don't, don't throw out Social Security. I did that on Facebook, by the way, where I said that is a general proposition, and I should have written, and don't even think about Social Security because that's a, that's a loser. And so one guy wrote back saying, ha, I've got you there, Social Security, QED, and all that stuff. And I, and I said, yeah, it really should have explained. Anyway, the point is, they don't, they don't have that. And I wonder if... You know, and, and a couple of the guys that I, I spoke to about this, I said, look, one of the differences between liberalism, and we really should say a leftism maybe, because I, I think Prager's got this right. It, it, there's a difference between the left and liberal. Anyway, um, the difference between so many on the left and so many on the right is that the left loves the personalities, right? It's all about personality. The right is about policy, right? We... We like the idea of limited government. Whoever the messenger is, we don't care how good he looks or she looks, uh, unless, there's, unless it'll be a good messenger in, in terms of like being able to convince. We hope that person convinces the other side better. That's it. But we don't fall in love with the person because we find him handsome or we find her pretty, right? It's not the way that we operate. We don't fall in love. We just think, will this person be a good leader to, to be a good messenger for conservatism? That's it. The message itself is what matters, right? So, uh, and we thought Ted Cruz was a very good messenger. Uh, Donald Trump is a good messenger. You know, at the end of the day, he's becoming better and better. And John McCain is a bad one. A good example, yeah. A good example They're of a very bad one. lousy. Yeah, exactly. We were like, get the message out. Say it right. You know, be more forceful. That, that's about all that matters. We, that, the message can get lost in the personality. Let's put it that way. For them, the message means nothing. It's, it's the personality that means everything for them. And that's frustrating. But also the, the, their message is, so, and this is so revealing, their message and their desire is utter destruction. Yeah. Everything they believe is just to destroy America, to destroy freedom, to destroy individuality. And for anyone who thinks the behavior of the left or more specifically the Democrat Party and its adjuncts, media, culture, etc., is any different today than it has been at any point in the last 20, 50, 100 years, are horribly mistaken. The undermining you see in the first hundred days, Trump has been in office a hundred and some odd days, and pretty, they're already much, yeah. using the word impeachment. Yeah. Uh, already? Yeah. How is that any different than when Bush beat Al Gore in an election and they spent weeks undermining Bush's legitimacy? Right. Yeah. Recount after recount right. after lawsuit after lawsuit to the point where he finally takes office and they call him president select and Al Gore is the legitimate president and right, all of those things. So then when September 11th happens and we need an actual commander in chief to be commander in chief, they so damage this poor guy. It, it 
curtailed any of the effectiveness he should have had. Yeah. Well, but by the way, it's four months. I said three months before. Um, but yeah, you're, you're look. Of course, you're 100 percent right. It's it's they do act consistently, and and that is good for us in the sense that we know how to respond to them, and we should know how to respond to them. They are not a moving target uh, that's constantly shape shifting their ideas. They are saying the same things. Uh, they are as racist as they ever were, while proclaiming not to be racist. Um, I, I suppose that's the difference. I, you know, maybe there is a difference that you know in the old days they were just blatantly racist. Now they're just. Uh, <laughs> I would say now they're just blatantly racist. Yeah. The, the in a, in a different way. Of the Linda Sassores of this world. Yeah, it's a good point. Anti- racism is racism. It doesn't matter which race is the target. Yeah. The things they say now okay. about. Yeah, they, oh, hold on. This is important. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I know you hate what I do, but I think this is an important. Point. I do hate the, it. The, de- the <laughs> kinds of things that people in the liberal political cloud of world say, not necessarily candidates, but people in academia, on the campus, the activists that are anti white. If we're said about a black person or any other protected class, would rightfully be called out as complete bigotry. Well, for sure, for sure. Look, so let's look at the big picture here um, in terms of, you know, that from a, from the Democrats' point of view, from the left's point of view, they have no new ideas. We know that. It's the same old ideas. It always has been. The only thing that's changing is the uh, demographics to some extent because they're changing. They're trying to open up the borders. And, of course, then there's technology with social media and otherwise. So they, they use different forms to advance the same old, tired ideas. Um, and, and it, you know, to some extent, they're successful in that. And we just ha- have to constantly, what I call, wipe the windshield, where you're, you're saying, look. More you know, flies. Yeah, more flies. Help. Okay, now yeah. I, we don't see clearly now. Let me help you, <laughs> right? Now we can get going again. And it just, you know, people are throwing mud at your windshield to, so that you can careen off course. Uh, and, and maybe even die for that matter. That's their style. That's what they do. It's it's a very poor chess maneuver, however, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, if you just a lot of people. I, I remember playing chess against this one guy, and it was a very unique way of, of, of playing that he played. He just, um, you know, had pawn after pawn, and then threw, a, you know, that is rook, and he did it very confidently. And I said to him, "What are you doing?" What's your what's your game plan? Because I, I don't see that. That's what you asked me, I believe. Oh, is that right? It was a you? <laughs> we're playing. No, no, no. I, this was a lot longer before I even knew you. Okay, I, I'm sure. before I knew how to play chess, based on okay, so you're the me, second guy who I did it. I was just playing to just cause as much chaos as possible. I know, and <laughs> you know. did it with confidence. I remember that. Right. And he did the same thing. Uh, this, but this is about ten, maybe even twelve years ago, where he kept on, you know, bam, booming, like as if he knew what he was doing, and I. I I said, what are you doing? I, you know, are, are you familiar with this game? And, and he said, oh, yes, yes, absolutely. And then I've, you know, I beat him easily. And I said, what were you doing? And he goes, well, you know, the truth is I don't really know how to play that well. I do know how play, the pieces move, but I, I don't know what, you know what I'm doing. And I said, well, that was clear, but why did you do the way you did it? Oh, I thought, you know, if I showed you some confidence in the moves, it'll psych you out. And I said, you know, psychology doesn't really come into play as much as you think in chess, right? You know, I might be intimidated by playing Kasparov, but I'm just playing the board. I'm not playing Kasparov, I'm playing the board. And yeah, it ain't poker. It ain't poker, exactly <laughs> right. And, uh, and even poker you can play a certain way, you know. So, but, but definitely in chess, you know, here's the lineup of the pieces, you know. It, you know, Kasparov will, will make the best 
situation of a bad situation, no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, if I've got two knights, two bishops, and a rook, and uh, my, my queen, and a couple of pawns, and he only has his king and a rook, I'm going to win the game. Okay? It, it doesn't matter how great you are. I'm going to win. Okay? As long as I know what I'm doing, of course. And so psychology doesn't play. But this is, this is the liberal, the far left, that's what they're doing. They're thinking that they can just psych you out, Trump, by throwing a lot of pawns and bashing it down on the, on the, on the chessboard. And it, it may be effective in the beginning of the game. It may psych you out a little bit uh, if you let it psych you out. But you have to see the board, you know, uh, objectively. And it's, it's just not there, Mr. Trump. Mr. President, I should say. It ain't there. Don't worry about this nonsense because yeah. it's all nonsense. It's one scandal after the next. And if I were his advisor, uh, and I would say, Mr. Trump, this is the new normal for you. Okay? Every week, in, in fact, probably twice a week, you're going to get a new scandal that you're going to have to respond to. Just treat it like a runner's cramp and run right through it. Yeah, see, I, I, there are, I think, two important points on this particular chessboard. And, and I think your chess analogy is so perfect in this that it have to be kind of acknowledge the psychological warfare is not meant against Trump. The psychological warfare of the Democrats intimidation play is meant to psych up their own base, oh. both in violence and fundraising. And then it's not meant for Trump or conservatives, but it's meant to be psychological warfare against all name names, Kevin McCarthy, Paul Ryan, John McCain, Lindsey Graham, his mom and their cats, those people. Uh, Susan Collins. They're trying to get those weak, those um, those Democrats who uh, have been elected as part of the Republican Party to cross over, right? Based on the psychological pressure. Because those are Washington insiders who, you know, various issues. No, Raven, we won't, we won't. That's, else. The, that's the whole point. Is that we're just we don't get emotionally charged up. We. The conservatives, the reason why we are conservative is be, by definition is because we believe in a certain policy platform. We don't, we don't vote for somebody because uh, we, we like their groove. You know, yeah, or we don't watch politics for winners and losers. I yeah, mean, exactly right. Yeah, but, but that's, that's the point about this tactic and, and why they, they do it over and over again. Right. Because like just today, they got John McCain talking about how this is as bad as Watergate. They got Justin Amash of Michigan, yes, Republican, yes. to say the I word on the House floor, yeah. impeachment. Right. They got uh, a couple other idiots in Congress to join Maxine Waters and call for, I think uh, some guy, I forgot his name, black congressman from somewhere, actually called for Trump's impeachment on the House floor. And this is geared to the college campus people who, based, you know, we've been talking about them over the last few weeks, both on your um, radio show you have and here on this podcast. And I had sort of an aha moment a couple days ago. I realized their behavior is not an indication of strength. It's an indication of the death throes the left is in. Yeah. And the college campus, you talked about on your radio show about how the college campus system is close to collapse. 
Well, the behavior at Berkeley is an indication that we're much closer to that cliff than even you and I think. Yeah, why because would you? Because people, yeah. The, yeah. the lady doth protest too much, I believe, based on the crowd right. behavior. As a, as a parent, and we won't have to drill down on it, but as a parent, uh, you're considering sending your kid to a, a top school, whether that's Berkeley or Stanford or whatever, Ivy League school, and all you see on the news is are these riots, and like, why would I send my kid to that? It's dangerous. To, to say nothing of, you know, the one out, if, if you have sent a girl to... Uh, to college, there's a one out of five chance she should be raped. Oh, no, I thank you. I was jokingly going to say four out of five chance of rape. You know how they always invert yeah, that's it. Right. They always, so four yeah. out of five girls on campus are raped, and then all the boys get set on fire and beaten. Yeah. Uh, how, exactly. about we, how about not for 50000 Yeah, that, that internet suddenly looks a lot safer, <laughs> thank you very much, for a lot cheaper, too. Right. So, but... Okay, but putting that aside, um, and it's it is this culture, the death throes, like you like you said. I think we even said it, it was kind of like the end of the movie uh, Terminator Two, when the kind of uh, that kind of molten uh, sort of uh, cop, the, liquid the, metal, the liquid metal guy, right? And he gets you know, he tripped tricked into um, going into a lava pit of some sort, and he kind of you see him kind of like writhing in pain and and and. And he acts up crazy ways and he lashes out. Of course, he's he's dying. So therefore, you know that's the end of him. It's a perfect end for Terminator Two, and every it's very satisfactory. But but part of it is just this, the death throes, like we said. It gets its most violent at its at its end. Look, God willing, that that's the case. Uh, I do think that the Democratic Party is uh, experiencing its death throes. The reason why is that they're coming out with no new ideas. Uh, Hillary Clinton certainly had nothing, nothing to offer. She, uh, she, uh, she just trotted out the same old garbage. Even socialist Bernie Sanders was trotting out the same old garbage. It was just nothing out there. And the only way they can gain new adherence, new prospects, is, is by hoping to, to gain younger voters who've never heard this before and have no sense of the past. Oh, that's right. That's what all liberals do, right? And that's what the public schools and the illegal yeah, alien, what, uneducated class being yeah, washed into the country. That's what for. they count on. They they just count on this, and and when you when your whole policy is counting on ignorance and lack of knowledge and just drum beating and such like that, well then, you really ought to question whether or not you have a sensible policy platform in the first place. If you're a liberal, if you're a lefty, and you see these people doing uh, the stuff that they do in, in Berkeley, or you see people shouting down pro-Israel. Uh, voices on campus and and trying to block things out and throwing tomatoes at conservative speakers. You know, does that do you proud? Uh, I wonder. And and you may very well say, look, I don't like those. I, I think that's, I, I condemn it in the worst, you know, strongest possible way. I like debates. Uh, I think our policies are great. But but doesn't that reflect something to you? You know, isn't that a mirror of, of sorts to you uh, and, and does it mean something to you when conservatives speak that they don't do that? They, I mean, I'll, I'll allow for the possibility it happens once every 10 years. Some conservative lashes out in a mean way, but it's, it's basically zero. You just, if, a, if you know a conservative group is down the street protesting something or wants to talk about something, guaranteed that you're going to see no violence you're going to see people uh, being respectful. Guaranteed, you'll, you're going to see them picking up after themselves. Uh, you, you don't have to worry about your safety. You, you, you can call them a fascist all day long. You'll never be right, right? Because they, 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 one thing you know is that they won't act like fascists. Yeah, they'll laugh at you. They won't beat right. you. Whereas with the liberals, with the liberals, 
anything goes. And that scares me. I, I think that's the biggest concern I have is anything goes. You just don't know what's going to come out of their mouths. Why do I say that? Because anything does go. It, it, it one day, this is the party that had global cooling before it was global warming. It's such a good example, right? This is the party that said um, that uh, minimum wage should be zero. Now they're insisting it should be $15 an hour. And God knows what it's going to be tomorrow, $20 an hour, $25 an hour. This is, this is their policy. It just, they literally ask themselves, what do we think today? That's what the book 1984, the Orwellian book, uh, it was all about. In like, literally one day they were told to believe one thing, and the next day they, they, they believed the complete opposite. We were, all, we were always at war with Oceania or, Oceania or whatever. That's, that's, that's the essence of that book. And, and they have no sense of uh, rhyme or reason. Okay, I mean, it, look, when you have a dog, right, you, you know not to let the dog lick your face. Why? Because you don't know where that dog uh, t tongue has been. In fact, yeah, actually, you do. you do, you do. Yeah, you do. It, it most likely in another dog's butt <laughs> and licking another dog's poop somewhere in the ground. Or its own. And, or worse, <laughs> right? So you, you don't want to do that, right? So, and likewise, you know, you don't want to sleep with a liberal, okay? You just don't know where he or she has been, right? Just, just, just common sense. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so Ari's nodding his head, I, you know, or shaking his head. The very idea, cringing. right? Cringing. I'm cringing. It's cringing. I, I, no offense to liberals, but I guess I am offending you. I mean, really. They deserve to be offended. I, I, I mean, seriously, if I'm dating a woman and she's not, you know, uh, at this point, if I were to be single and I'm dating a woman who's 40 plus years old and, and, uh, and I discover she's a liberal, I might seriously think about waiting a lot longer before we would, I would enter into, uh, shall we say, carnal relations and that, with, with her versus a conservative woman. A, a lot longer. Why? Because who knows? You know, the, under the theory that you're sleeping with all that person's uh, partners in the past. I don't want to, I don't want that, well, right? For, it's far more risky. That, it's just more basic. How does one become, uh, let's just say, um, aroused by uh, liberalism, I, I can't get. Oh, I see. You, you, yeah, that that would. Uh, I find it. Uh, I find it uh, causes disinterest. <laughs> well, look, it's like the old joke we talked about. You know, what do you call a hot woman uh, who is, you know, a, a big feminist and um, you know chooses to fight against America and Israel for that matter and uh, gives uh, state secrets to the enemy? Hot. <laughs> Because that's all that matters at the end of the day. I mean, of course, I'm exaggerating to some extent, but hotness definitely goes a long way. So, yeah, I mean, I, I could be attracted to a liberal woman, but at the same time, I'd be much more cautious, you know, dealing with her. There's so much for forgiving in <laughs> But if I know that the woman I'm dating is a conservative, and she always has been a conservative, and good, strong values, first of all, that is very uh, sexy in and of itself, because it means that she's... She's had to um, resist uh, the mainstream media and fight, especially in West Los Angeles here, that, that she's got a toughness to her, which I, I find very appealing. But also I know that she exercises discretion, right? That she doesn't just sleep with anybody. Who knows with the, with the liberals? Who knows? I mean, I'm not saying this, that all liberals would advance that policy, but I will say that if you're a liberal woman, and you do take the position that, hey, you know what? I want to be really circumspect about the guys I sleep with. 
uh, that might be actually contrary to the notion of liberalism. Okay, because don't tell me that liberalism advances cautionary behavior when it comes to sex. On the contrary, it tells you do anything you want, anything. It's all good, right? And in fact, many feminists, including Gloria Steinem, will say, I believe it was her. Uh, if it wasn't her, it was somebody of that ilk uh, who said, you know, we should be more like the guys when it comes to sex, sex and sexuality. In other words. Uh, that we should be jumping in the sack a lot more and having a lot more fun and having one-night stands and, you know, having a different attitude altogether about sex, like they do. And, like, no, I, I really hope they don't have that attitude. It's, it's not healthy for, for society at large, and there's a reason why it's built the way it is. But good luck. Never, never expect a liberal to, to uh, think that there is such a thing called human nature. Yeah, and then, and then there's the whole unexplored tangent at this point of, but what about the real scandals? And they all involve liberalism. Yesterday, the Seth Rich scandal broke wide open. Yeah, tell me about that. Because I've I, okay. I, I, I read about that, but I know that you know more about it for now. So go, tell there me. There is it. this dude named Seth Rich. Yes, I know He him. worked for the DNC. I, I know you know these things, but I'm filling in the background for the uh, listeners. I don't know as fully as... as uh, okay, so I, Seth Rich was a DNC staffer, and he was a supporter of Bernie Sanders. Mm -hmm. He saw that the DNC was rigging its primary against Bernie Sanders. Duh! Right. So he decided... Things that we knew. He decided that um, leaking this information via their emails to WikiLeaks would not result in the death penalty for him. Right. He was wrong. He gets shot in what the D.C. police have called a robbery. The only problem is the robbers seem to have failed Robbery 101 class <laughs> by leaving all of his stuff with him after they shot him in the back. Wow. Here's where it gets really strange. The D.C. police wear body cameras. And the D.C. police, three of them, came up to Seth Rich after he was shot while he was still alive. And for some reason, no one can find the footage. Yeah, I just learned about that. That's, it, it is fascinating. And, and, and John Podesta, around the same timeline, was quoted as saying um, something along the lines of a mafia threat against leakers and how satisfied he is when leakers get what's coming to them. Well, and... and and, and this is on top that's of that, the rated, that 80 yeah. person list of the Clinton's body count that we've seen time and, and again. that that example of Seth Rich uh, that is the uh, rated R version of what I'm about to say which is more of a PG version where uh, our friend uh, the guy from Nevada what's his name oh God Harry Reid where he uh, trotted out this notion that that Romney was hiding all of his tax returns, right, and and demanded to to know, and oh no, sorry, that that he didn't pay any taxes yeah. for all these years, which was a, a just a total lie, total fabrication in every sense of the word. And then when he was confronted with it, uh, he said, "Well, it worked, didn't it?" You know, after the election, and that's the PG version of what they do. They have no problem doing these things. These these things that you and I just discussed. The PG version of a scandal, and, and yours is a rated R, and, and rated R for violence. That is, I think it's rated R. I think it's on uh, you know those websites like Live Leak or Rotten.com where they show like the graphic, yeah, you know, murder oh, yeah, shows yeah. that the things that they don't it's, show on the nightly. It's news. like a snuff film, is what <laughs> yeah, you're saying. Yeah, it's a snuff film. So either way, I'm mean, just point. That those are far worse than any of the fabricated concepts that you have. And really, and, and by the way, what if they're inventing crap on Donald Trump? Why not just go much further? Why not just say that Donald Trump 
uh, as Donald Trump uh, has, has, you know, finds whoever may have died in the past five years congressionally Democrats and say that he caused them to die. Right? Why not? That's a good idea. <laughs> After they hear this, I'm sure they will. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and by the way, let's also review a couple things besides the two scoops of ice cream. White vanilla ice cream. Yes. Right? White privilege. Okay. Um, the Comey memo. Hmm. Comey is a liar. Flat right. out. Right. He got fired mostly because he was lying. Two things. Is Comey going to reveal his memoranda that he wrote in the wake of Loretta Lynch telling him not to prosecute uh, Hillary Clinton because she well, was the a nice the guy? Tom That's visit. number one. Yeah. And number two, if Comey's story is true and uh, Donald Trump goes up to him and says, hey, hey, Jim Comey, you know, there's this beautiful guy, beautiful guy named Mike Flynn. Could you just, uh, you know, make it easy for him? Do me a favor, favor, do, do me a favor. <laughs> yeah. If that were true, that supposedly happened in November, right? right. Well, according to federal law, I believe, 4 U.S.C. 2318 Nobody or something Nobody cares about like that, that crap. Go ahead. Well... It's obstruction of justice for Comey to have sat on this for four months. He was obligated to come forward immediately and tell the Justice Department, uh, the president just told me to call off the dogs on an ongoing investigation. Of course, course. assuming that if he, as FBI director, believed that this was wrong, then he would have done something about it. He certainly would have shared it with his fellow FBI folks. That's right. Instead, he purposely sat on this, and it probably was was made after the fact. Well, that's the point. There is no memo. Here's the memo. Last night, Jim Comey opens computer, types up. Subject line, memo. <laughs> right? right. Fit typing with single fingers on each. The point is, it's a complete lie. The other thing is, Jim Comey has testified like six times in front of House and Senate committees in the last few weeks. Right. He was asked, what about ongoing scandals? He never once said, you know, well, you know what that sneaky president did back in February? I'll right. tell you. <laughs> oh, I even have a memo about it. So, anyway... Uh, you know, I, I want to kind of move off of this because, I, but I just I find it fascinating because it's so revealing, right? I mean, we, I say that people emanate information all the time, right? The way you walk, the way you talk, uh, you know, the the volume of your talk it re- reflects a lot of things. For example, you know, I'm not a yeller, right? So it, it means something. Nobody's it, perfect. <laughs> So somebody, um, you know, looking at me and saying, okay, this, this Barack guy, he doesn't have a wild temper. You know, you could, you could review things about a certain person. And, and you could see it, also lines on their face, right? You know, he's a happy person, not a happy person. The way they walk, do they, do they hunch forward? Do they look like they're like a question mark, right? Their posture. Um, also the way people drive. Um, you know, how long does it take for a person to take a right turn onto a main street? You know, they're so cautious. And you see this car is like, that's coming you know, from, from the left side that you're, as you're looking, you're behind this car. It's like a mile away. And you're saying, move your friggin' car. Let's go. <laughs> right? And you can tell this person is too cautious. Or likewise, I, I, I joke around with, uh, with my son. I say, imagine a car full of bumper stickers. Okay? <laughs> okay. Like 10 or more bumper stickers. Is it a conservative car or is it a liberal car? And of course, it's a liberal car. And, and, and I say, you're right. What bumper stickers are on there? And then he said, okay, uh, coexist. Uh, war is not the answer. Um, you Bernie know, Sanders. Nu- yeah, yeah, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> One nuclear bomb can ruin your whole day. You know, blah, 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 right? Greenpeace. Yeah, yeah something like that. You know, Kermit for president. Uh, who knows? So th- these are things. So people emanate information all the time. And, and as a party, 
they also emanate information. I see this, these sort of antics, and I'm saying, what can we glean from this? We can glean, just like I can glean that there is, uh, you know, from, I guess, from our game, our chess game before, and the guy from, that I was talking about before, that he had no strategy and that he didn't know how to play chess. I gleaned that, okay, because, you know, he thought he was playing a game, but he didn't know what he was talking about, okay? It's like, it's like a guy pretending to be uh, English aristocracy and, you know, he still scratches his you-know-what and he spits out watermelon seeds and he's actually speaking with a Cockney accent, okay? Because that's what he thinks aristocracy is, right? That's the only English accent he knows. So, hello, governor! <laughs> okay, you, you're not aristocracy. You, you can't possibly be. Um, so... So, but likewise, when the liberals do this, the left is doing these scandal after scandal. The only signal that they're, they're emanating, that they're, they're radiating, irradiating out there is two things. One is they don't know what they're doing. And second, as you said, they are on their death rows. Okay? For sure, they don't have a message. They're, they're really just clamoring. And, and that's sad. It's sad for the Democratic Party. Uh, frankly, you and I want a strong Democratic Party uh, that actually has a mission, has a competing agenda that might actually be appealing, but they don't have one. So this is what they do. Yeah, and you know, the, what you just said is such an interesting point because I want you to picture this. It's a little thought experiment. They have to derail the Trump uh, outsider drain the swamp direction of his presidency for the very reason because they know it will work yeah and they know if it works not only do that does their party lose but right. the entire establishment gravy train of both parties that's been in power for i don't know 110 120 years right is gone in a generation yeah wiped clean wiped clean by the sounds of time yeah. and People will suddenly wake up and realize, oh, crap, I could have had a V8. And, it, I mean, just take Trump's policies alone on the effect they'll have on the inner cities. Yeah. Oh, my God. It would, it Privatized change. schools, charter schools, the uh, crime reduced, blight reduced, property values skyrocketing. People, uh, uh, because of welfare um, modifications, the black family becomes reunified and restored. In 20 years... Gangster culture is gone. Yeah, in twenty years, it, it will be a it will be a distant memory. The the blight and crime of the inner cities, and if, and the Democrat yeah. Party in its current form cannot survive that. If you were to ask somebody, and this actually leads into our next topic, so I'm so glad you said this. It, it's a perfect segue. If you were to ask people, um, you know, the following question: Assume for the sake of discussion right now that there would be one thing and only one major thing, and it could be big, it could be small, uh, that would resolve this problem. Think of it like a riddle. And to use your example, inner city poverty, okay? Or, or if you like, fatherlessness among the, the black community or otherwise poor community, uh, or unemployment or immigration. You name the problem, racism is another one. Um, and if I were to tell you, my dear friend, there is one major thing you can do to fix it that would solve 85, 90% of this problem. What would it be, right? And, and treat it like a riddle, or better yet, if you want a kind of a challenge, right? Like a, like a kid's game. What is it, right? So let's take poverty first, the, the, the inner city poverty that you're talking about. 
And, and what would it be? See, I don't think liberals ever ask that question. The left never asks, they, they see the problem and they say, we must throw a lot of money at it, okay? And they, 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 it doesn't dawn on them to take a little bit harder work and to say, maybe there's one major reason, maybe not 100% of the reason, but one major reason that if we just changed it, it would change everything. Yeah, and, and I know this is a little off subject directly from your question, but we can cycle back to that in a second because that's a very important line of um, exploration. But it goes part and parcel to what liberal political theory is based on, which is power. The liberal never asks themselves, hey, how can I improve this or that? Right. The Good liberal point. only asks themselves, based on current situational realities, how can I maximize my power? Right. That's right. That's and, it. And, and, and I'll take it one step further, and then we'll get back, please. Uh, what you just said, they'll say, uh, they actually want those people to be in poverty Bingo. because that gives them the more power. Bingo. So the last thing they want is a solution to this problem. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, not, let's not be hasty here, friends. That's like saying uh, to cigarette companies to use the liberal logic, right? I mean, because to go into their camp um, to say, hey, we found a, um, a device that uh, immediately within two minutes uh, reduces all cravings for cigarette smoke, smoking and your, your addiction will go poof like that. And supposedly, the cigarette manufacturers would just fight that tooth and nail, right? That's the last thing they want. They want addiction. I'm, I'm just simply using the liberal argument. I'm not agreeing with it. I'm simply saying, pretend that's the, the, the thing. But what if I told you that there is a, a solution? And riddle me that, you know, my left, leftist friend. What if, what if we treated every major problem as though it could be solved by one small or big thing? Just, just. Like that. Boom. Okay? And just to get them to think that way would be a, a game changer altogether. Of course, because as we've discussed many times, the second a liberal starts thinking like that, the liberal ceases to be liberal. That's right. Okay, so, so Oof, example, gone. example. I'm going to start off with an easy one. And then while I'm thinking about this, you think about the other ones, okay? Okay. So uh, we have horrible public schools. Okay? <laughs> just horrible. Uh Either one of these two things would change it all. One is allow school choice in every respect with vouchers and such like that. People are not locked into their uh, zip code or to their geographic location. Just free them. You go wherever you damn well please. Yeah. And if it's a two-hour drive for you, well, then God bless you. Go ahead. You're willing to do that. It, you know, it sucks, but you want to go to a better school. That's a public school then by all means be my guest. Yeah, or private. You can or, go anywhere. With you a voucher, get, yeah. You get a voucher. You get, you get, you, the money goes to your kid, right. not the teacher's union, not the bureaucrat, right. not the administrator, right. and not the parent right. either. Which leads to me the other solution, get rid of the teacher's unions. Boom! Just blow it up and problem solved. Okay? At the very least. But a combination of the two. We, we know that that would be a very easy answer to the school problem. Okay. So and, and I would add one more thing. As someone who doesn't believe in minimum wage, I would say there's, you know, there's exclusivities and carve-outs everywhere in government. For instance, you know, people who are soldiers get certain benefits for defending the country. Right. Right? So imagine this. A minimum wage for teachers of $120,000 a year starting salary. Right. Do you know what would happen? People would flood 
into that industry. No, a, lot, a lot of them do have 100000 plus. Right. Start, but I'm talking starting salary. Oh, I see. Meaning there are, there are teachers out there who should be making in the millions, the good ones. And they, their jobs, should, it, it, it's their, their material should be syndicated throughout but, but, schools. But you're, you're complicating these things where you don't need to. Because if you get rid of unions, you'll have that anyway. Right. Well, I'm, and I'm not talking about the government doing this. I'm talking about the free market. Finally, market. paying people what they're worth in this in this industry because it, it, it the, doesn't matter. The would be that here's high. the good news: most teachers and every teacher listening will say the same thing. Most teachers do it for the love of teaching. Yes, they want a, a respectable pay, but they will not be more likely a teacher because it's now paying, let's say, twenty thousand dollars a year oh more. Oh boy, do I have such a retort for you? No, no, oh, it, you're it, about it, to get hammered. No, no, I don't. I don't care. I don't care. The point is they do it for the love, but they will compete to be the best teacher, and they will love to get a higher salary because they're the best teacher and promoted and so on like that. That's, that's basic. Yeah, and my point about it is when they play for the love of the game, you get crap. Okay, uh, that, I, which I think I is agree, important. I agree. If if there if there was real money in it and real competition, you but, got so much. Because someone like you wouldn't be a lawyer; you'd be a teacher. Maybe if the money. Maybe was maybe, but the, but the answer is what we're we're saying the same thing. The answer is competition. Allow competition right. for teachers, and everything will work out just great. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. Because good teachers are good teachers. So the system as as it is now uh, encourages teachers to not even show up to work. Okay, that, that's it. It only protects the lazy and encourages them to be lazy. It's, it's the worst of all systems possible. There, there's, if you send your kids to public school, it's because you feel you, you have no choice, right? And, that's, and ultimately, that is the correct situation. A lot of listeners to this podcast have told me they have no choice to, but to send their kids to public school. They try to find the best location. They even move their houses so they can be in a better school district. God bless them for doing whatever they can to do so. But the reality is uh, public schools are way behind uh, for the same age level, same grade level, uh, than the private school counterparts. It, it just is. Yeah, uh, and, and why? And, and, why? I, and, I, and I know that for myself, having gone from a public school all the way up through sixth grade and then going to a private boys' school in the same town, uh, I was easily two years behind the rest of the, the gang. And I caught up with them, and I became a very good student and such like that. But, man, was it hard. It was, it was awful. Yeah, but and, that was, and, and those are good schools, by the way. Public schools back then in, in Connecticut, it was a good school. It wasn't unionized. Well, actually, it was unionized, but it was, it was still considered really good. It's far worse today, and, 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 and even that is far better than what Los Angeles Unified Yeah, but you is, see is how Democrats today. condition and, and get people used to that? I mean, would people... Even if it's a, a restaurant as, uh, let's say, low-end as Subway or McDonald's, right. it's still a private company that competes. If you go to a bad McDonald's location, you don't go back, okay. right? So, so, yeah, so yeah. the point is, why, do people, why are people so conditioned to think government has to supply education services? Well, in the first place, I mean, that, yeah, yeah, exactly that's right. the whole point. Yeah, that, that's another solution. Just get rid of public schools altogether. Yeah. Or, or, or no obligation. Let, let the free market decide. Okay, and you can say certain standards. You must know algebra by X uh, grade, and there's, that's fine. You can do standardized testing if you like. Okay, so that's. But let's do rapid fire stuff. Sure. Okay, because I think it's so easy. Uh, Ari David, I believe that there is a simple solution um, to the healthcare crisis, 
Um, what is it, Barack? <laughs> what would it ever be? Well, uh, well, it's such, I, you know, it's such a complicated issue. Oh, it's so complicated because it, healthcare is so different than every other uh, form of service industry uh, imaginable. We That's have right. to carve there's it out completely. Of, let's use their their words. Do you know there's lots of stakeholders involved? Yes, that's right. It's all. Very, <laughs> you love when they say stakeholder. What the hell's a stakeholder? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's you know special interest is what right. they really mean. <laughs> so what you do is ready, blow up Obamacare, make it purely competitive, like we do for elective surgery, right? Which is not covered by insurance, and lo and behold, you'll have all sorts of doctors who charge, uh, you know, either concierge fees per month. Or a hundred dollars a pop for you know this this particular kind of service or that kind of service, and for more um, uh, you know tougher things they you know it'd be five hundred to five thousand dollars for a surgery depending on on matters. There'd be limits on all sorts of malpractice issues. You'd be good. So you're okay? saying the same capitalist system that allows us to get a Coca-Cola for about eighty-five cents would bring down the price of. Another service that everyone wants to use and needs? The very same. Wow. <laughs> Indeed, I would. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it turns out it also applies to the medical system, to the medical industry. Oh, that was easy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Next. <laughs> okay. I hear there's this problem with unemployment and uh, people, not enough people are working these days. Uh, what do you suggest, Ari David? Could there be a straightforward one thing to do that might resolve this problem. How about the government gets the hell out of the way and stops taxing and regulating that you-know-what out of everything? All right. Well, that was pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, problem solved. Yeah, exactly. Problem solved. Exactly right. Uh, if you, if you uh, avoid regulating so much in the way of manufacturing in particular, uh, putting aside all the other regulations that you have in terms of how you mandate uh, employees' uh, relationship with employers and such, Putting that all aside, just the massive amounts of regulations for manufacturing uh, going on in America. And then they're so surprised that companies decide to, to move their, the manufacturing jobs, at least, overseas. They never wonder why that's happening. They just notice it. As a business owner, and you are a business owner. But wait, wait, wait. Let, me, let me finish no, this. I, okay. Hang on to the thought, because I'm, I'm not quite done. Sure. Um, they, um, it all moves there. And so, you know, surprise, surprise, the jobs that they want are overseas, like they always say, they're shipping jobs overseas as if, as if that's really what they're doing. They're putting people on a boat and they're shipping them off. Right. Right. Of boat course, that's people. not. It's it's a it's a totally false analogy. But anyway, uh, you know those jobs. There'll be more jobs, manufacturing jobs for one. And then if you, as you said, reduce t- uh, regulations and taxes in particular dramatically on uh, every other job, you would have people just burgeoning and, and innovating and all that stuff uh, it, like, like it did in the 20s in America and all through, the, you know, since the, um, uh, the end of the Civil War when the innovation was so enormous. It would explode with greatness and jobs. Anyway, you were asking yeah, me a question now. I was going to ask, you know, you don't have a manufacturing business, but you do employ people. Could you see yourself if your tax burden was reduced on your business and the regulation compliance costs were reduced, that you'd hire two or three more people? For sure. Yeah. Whoa! 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 whoa. Blow my mind. Uh, uh, would you say for sure? Is that it's, it's an analogy obvious. for the word yes? <laughs> yes. I I'm, would, just, I'm just confirming. I would even say, I would even say it's a cinema for the okay, word yes. Okay, so in essence, what we're, we've just gotten here is that the government causes you to not hire people right. that you otherwise would have. That's right. Wow. Some people might call that irony. That is really ironic. Yeah. 
No, but, but and, what, and what the, the liberals will think is this: no, no, you reduce these things, uh, reduce taxes, and those greedy employers will just buy a yacht with them, you know, for their own lavish lifestyles. By the way, what's so wrong with that? Even if that were the case, they don't do it. But if I were, let's say, I decided, you know, to eat a lot of caviar now, right, or to to buy a uh, uh, a Learjet for myself, right? First of all. So, that, that's taxable. That's a taxable event, buying a Learjet. I'm employing people to, to take care of that Learjet. Likewise with the caviar that they imagine me and the yacht club that I now belong to. I don't, but let's say if, yeah. if I had in their mind, right? It, that's okay too. Right. I've always wondered why the government has it so out for the pilots of private jets, the captains <laughs> of private yachts, the galley chefs of jets and yachts, the yacht club yeah, owners, what's wrong with the that? the people who maintain where yachts are are moored and where jets are parked. Uh, because when you buy anything, you're in essence employing someone, right? When I buy an In-N-Out burger, I'm employing the guy who flipped the In-N-Out burger. Right. When and you if, just hire someone, you're employing the file clerk or the paralegal right. or the other lawyer. So does it really matter what you employ or, or does what, it matter yeah. that you employ something other than the government bureaucrat? Right. Yeah, it's, it's not as a – and then they say, well, no, you're going to be hoarding the money. Okay, so what? I mean, I mean I'm an idiot for hoarding the money well, and not, not using it. doesn't that give a job to the banker or the stockbroker? Of course, the, of course. You know? Of course. The, the point is that, but you know, first of all, employers don't do that. When they have a whole bunch of money – uh, let's say I'm a lawyer. Let's say we get a big payday on one of our cases. I don't do contingency work very often. In fact, very rarely. But if I did, uh, and suddenly we were flush with a million dollars, you know, yeah, you can you can rest assured that I'm going to hire a couple more attorneys. I'm going to market. I'm going to I'm going to hire a bunch more marketing agencies to help market my firm. Uh, fire your fat ass. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not fat. <laughs> well, I, you know, I don't know. You like the way I keyed on the fat <laughs> throughout the fire? That's right. <laughs> uh, I guess somebody good for a change. No, you're fantastic. But but I, I would get, you know, more marketing. I would do a lot more uh, whatever. And, and you know, maybe even buy some TV time. I, you know, whatever. I, I, I would want to bring up the best I could because I love being a lawyer. I think it's very interesting. I, I would want to bring in more kids. Cases and, and then have kind of this multiplier effect. But instead, no, no, no. The, the government wants it so they can use it for their inefficient purposes, right? To, 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 to pave all those roads that they're not paving, right? To improve all those schools that they're not improving, right? To, to light up the streets with all the, the, the streetlights that they're not putting up. Right? This, this is what they, well, they do and what they don't do. And what's so interesting about those three things you just said is that's the idealized version that government sells you. Right. They're going, roads and bridges, you know, infrastructure, puddles, right? No. The whole point of how they run it, Democrats, is to keep those people that you would have hired unemployed, hungry, and angry, and more likely to vote Democrat. Well, of course. Because, God forbid, they get hired well, that, that's and become what exactly prosperous about. and that's start exactly what caring about. about high taxes. Okay, so here's the... We, we talked before about the problem of unemployment slash the living wage, right? And that's... comes. So here we are to the minimum wage. So they do have a solution when it comes to that, and it's the only solution in their minds. It's, it's always the only solution. Uh, here's the minimum wage, and it has to be 50. And, and the debate should be whether it's $15 an hour or $14 an hour or $9 an hour or $0 an hour. And that's the level of debate for them. We're, we're saying that that has nothing to do with anything. You, you want to improve the lives of your employees? Get, allow them to have jobs. Allow them to move from job to job. 
uh, don't don't banish them into a union job where they're going to be stuck forever because seniority rules in, in unions. All right, that's a problem. Okay, we we, we don't like that that uh, dynamic. So, but of course, that's their solution, which only will uh, increase unemployment, which goes to our theory that all they really want is unemployment. They do want illegal immigration. They do want poverty because when you have those three and racism, so four things, then you've got discontent and discontent allows them to amass power. That's the whole point. They will never have solutions for these things. Okay, and everything else we're talking about, uh, healthcare and so on like that, and the schools and such, they're all subsets of those, those things. Uh, uh, let's, let's do one last one, and then we'll close up shop for the, for and the day. And I think I know which, what solution you're you getting. What problem? That, of, problem to resolve. Tell me. Well, let's just say um, the, overriding th- the overlapping things of crime, drugs, social blight, and values being bad. Well, you know, that, uh, that causes... Uh, well, that's poverty. We, we talked about that already. Um, but uh, because there's so many other things we can talk about, we, we didn't even talk about fatherlessness, uh, that, that the obvious one there being to, to not encourage welfare because that it's a thing that breaks down the family. Uh, that, be, that would resolve 60% of the, the problem. The other thing is to encourage uh, religious upbringing. Well, that, that's what I was getting at because the first sort of cloud of subject matter we use as the overall solution for the first three or four problems is basically economic uh, you know, reforms to make everything freer and easier right. for people to operate economically. But, of course, there does have to be a regulation, and that is belief in God, yeah. the self-regulation that comes from faith. Which right. has to be encouraged by having people live good lives connected to God, which solves 90% of the problems with how people treat but each other. No amount of regulation can, can uh, create the good that God, a world with God, can create. There's no comparison. Uh, but the, the, the solution or the problem that I want to resolve very easily with a, one simple thing is racism. Okay, so and that's assuming that racism is rampant in America in the first place, like the liberals would like you to believe. So let's take that as a given that racism is still horribly alive and well, uh, you know, which is would, it's so terrible that, that that's the case. Uh, solve it, Ari David. Go. Well, I would get rid of CNN. That should solve it. Oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. Uh, here's so what I, CNN here, is, seems to be the main conduit of racism between one person and another the last I five th- years. I think that uh, if you're speaking uh, about the media, generally speaking, the mainstream media, I think you'd be right for about 30%. That would solve about 30% of the problem, but not most of the problem. The best way to solve it is to get rid of all notions of affirmative action, to get uh, to, to take away all, uh, and that would mean, by definition, to get rid of this notion of victimhood. To and, say, and hey, black studies, Latino studies, exactly, you know, race theory studies. In, in other words, I, I, I think the way to summarize this, which is so interesting, is the best way to solve racism is by stop having all these damn conversations about race. <laughs> or I'll simplify it even further to make it the E equals MC squared. The best way to stop racism is to not be racist. How about that? Okay, it's it's as simple as that. 
But instead, the, you know, the, the media and, and society at large keeps on bringing it up over and over again. It's just, and, and assuming that because you're black or half black or, you know, a, a, you know one eighth black. Or one thirty second fake it, Indian. That's right. You are suffering somewhere. You're a victim. It's the worst. It's the worst thing you could ever impose on you. It's a form of child abuse to tell a child that because you are black or part black or part minority of any kind, that the world is against you. That's a horrible thing to do. Okay, we could do that as Jews. We could play that game all day long. Okay, but we don't. It, it would it would be a horrible thing to impose on your child. Teach them history, yes, the Holocaust and so forth. But that's different. Okay, we we, we don't say therefore the world owes us. We don't say that. On the contrary, we say, here's what, we, here's what happened when we didn't fight for ourselves and the world turned the other way. We, only, we have to rely on ourselves. And by golly, there's a new country. It's called Israel. And we will protect her and, because she will protect us. We don't, we don't expect any handouts. Thank you very much. Okay? That's the way of the world of the Jew today who's honest with himself. But the best way to get rid of racism is to stop being racist. Boom! Okay, 90% of the problem solved, if not 100%. Okay, at the end of the day, in other words, we expect of you what we expect of ourselves. No more and no less. Thank you. You would see this whole country turn into a, a true melting pot where everyone be kind of this blend of, of a little bit of black, a little bit of white, a little bit of uh, Asian. Everything would be a blend. Okay, it's exactly what you would want. But you don't because you like stoking up racism because that feeds your power. And I resent you for it, and God damn you for it. We'll talk with you next week. <laughs>